This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Well, I have been working nonstop for about 18 hours, it feels like. Uh, I know. Because I'm the only person who can do anything in my life. so hard. I can't do anything, so I don't have that problem. I'm jealous of you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I watched this movie yesterday, and since you're going to tell me about the case, you know it's horrible. It's awful. Um, And so then today I was like, what can I do to just, like, liven things up a little? It's like, I know. I'll watch a super depressing documentary. So that's what I've been doing today. I should have watched a do- documentary. Here's the thing. As I realize I complain a lot about the amount of shit that I do, I could just not do it. That is an option. It would let someone down, but maybe it would teach someone that they need to, like, I don't know, do some work. Do their job? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I know. Amazing. Ha- have you met me? I ha- oh, I, I have, yes. I can't just not do anything. That's the problem. Here's the thing. Like, I work my ass off when I'm at work, but I try to take at least one day a week to not do anything that has to do with my job. I usually do that. I really do take Sundays off, but this week is not the same. The first right. few weeks of school don't count as weeks anymore. They're just yeah. this amorphous situation where you hope mm-hmm. to get some sleep in. Well, mine goes back to school tomorrow. That seems unfair that I've already been in for two weeks. Yeah. Well, it seems unfair that I have a sophomore in high school, so. Especially because you're so young. I know. 27 is way too young. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Had him at 13. Oh, and by that you mean you just found him, right? Just I did. I found him on the doorstep. And you I was were like, "Oh, I'm 13. <laughs> I can handle this situation." <laughs> and my parents were like, "Whatever." Listen, <laughs> which is the most believable part of that entire. I was story. about to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. So, All right. uh, you want to tell me about this awful thing? Sure. You can't yet. I can't yet. No. Okay. No one knows who we are. (gasps) Who are we? I don't even know who we are. Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Aaron. (laughs) And now you're not confused anymore because the intro music really threw you off. Yeah, must have. You were like Mm -hmm. those voices. They sound like NPR again. Is this in fact um, Serial season five? (laughs) And we were like, yes, we're both Sarah Koenig. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sarah Koenig. And I'm Sarah Koenig. Exactly. That's right. Oh, Season right. five of Serial, where poor Sarah Koenig has a full-on identity crisis. <laughs> oh, man. All right. This week, I watched A Date with Darkness, The Trial and Capture of Andrew Lester. By far or, the best title. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep Calendar Girl Cop Killer as my best title. Okay. Because of the punctuation. That's There's true. Punctuation. It's Calendar Girl, comma Cop, comma Killer? killer? Question mark. 
Anyways, it stars Jason Gedrick as Andrew Luster. He was in a movie called Iron Eagle, a movie about that appears to be about fire called Backdraft. Okay, I love movies that are just about fire and nothing else. It appears to be about fire, that's all I know. <laughs> um, and something called Easy Streets. Okay. Which I'm going to make my Pornhub or TV this week. <laughs> oh man, okay, well... So, Easy Streets is, um, it's just a straight-up porn, but it's all based on that song from Little Orphan Annie. So, everyone in it is wearing a big red wig. In the porn? In the porn. You know, I would watch that. <laughs> also, Big Red Bush. All over the place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then I died. Okay. <laughs> it, the, um, <laughs> the description of this show is Catholic Confession City Politics Softball Game. That sounds like a... All one sentence, no commas. That sounds like a porn in itself, actually. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> a lesbian porn because they're playing softball, Yes. I don't know. All churches have co-ed softball teams. It wasn't in the 90s, so, you know, they could still be a little bit politically incorrect. Yeah, absolutely. And you said Catholic, oh, right? So is it a... Catholic. It's a lesbian nun porn? Yes. Okay. That's it. That's it. And wow, I just really pointed my finger you at did. you. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, we wonder why no one has hired us to write anything for Hollywood, and I think we just discovered why right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, the people that run the porn industry are, like, on hold right now. Right? They're eating this shit up. <laughs> okay. Um, Marla Sokoloff, she plays Connie, but she also played Gia in Fuller in Full House and Fuller House, so oh. I'm just going to call her Gia. Gia, sounds good. Okay. Like the bad girl, you yeah, know? Yeah, I remember, remember Gia. Mm -hmm. And she was also in Dude, Where's My Car, which seems really random. Yeah. Uh, Liesl, Liesl, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We suddenly went into the sound of music. <laughs> she is 16, going on 17. Lisa Edelstein. Oh, she was in before. House. Yes. I know she someone. Was, but she was in the movie Obsessed, remember? She was in Obsessed, and she was in, um, hold on. Once you started talking about her, because we've talked about her, mm -hmm. um, I watched this really wonderfully awful Lifetime movie once. Um, Butcher. Blue-Eyed Butcher. Oh my god, that's on our list to cover at some point. We need to cover it. We're gonna. So, um, she's also in Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, and she was everyone's favorite hooker on the West Wing. Okay, so yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, high price call girl. I remember the... Um, According to Sam. <laughs> I remember the West Wing, but I've never even heard of The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, so I'm back on track for being me. I was scaring myself with knowing I her references. I have not watched that show, but I've heard it's good. Okay. Um, we have Sarah Carter. She plays Sarah. Um, it's a real stretch for her. Yeah. <laughs> she was in a movie called Rogue. Okay. Um, she was also in The Val, which I've actually seen. Is that the one with Ryan Reynolds? No, it's uh, Channing Tatum where his yeah, wife yeah. forgets her. Yeah, she forgets okay. her memory. Wow. She forgets her memory. 
I've I have seen that, but it's been a long time. I was oh, thinking man. of the proposal, which is like the first half of the vow. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she was also in the Flash. Okay. Um, and then finally we have Stephanie Von Betten. I'm sure I fucked that up real bad. Sorry. Um, she plays Terry. She was in cra- like a bunch of stuff that I've never heard of, except for one. Um, she was in Cracked, Welcome to Marwin, and a sh- movie called While You Were Dating, which was on the Hallmark Channel and stars one of the Baldwin brothers. I don't remember which one. They're all interchangeable. They are. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess I have to talk about this shitty movie now. It opens. Oh, first of all, I just want to tell you how dedicated I am to this podcast because I had to watch this on YouTube. Oh, man. It was really bad. The quality was just terrible. Additionally, at the top, we don't normally give trigger warnings, but I think this one needs a big trigger warning. Huge trigger warning. For rape. I have asked Lifetime to stop with the rape movies. They have yet to listen to me. So here we are. Yeah. All righty then. We open in Ventura County, California, July 14th. 2000 there's andrew the asshole doing a power stance in a doorway looking at the ocean and i already fucking can't then we cut to a room full of trophies and a video camera which i'm sure is there for completely wholesome reasons and not to film himself raping people at all ever well if he's got trophies are they like little league trophies it's just like number one participant they can't even like give him a real award yeah so the the video camera is actually all the all the footage of him not hitting the ball, but his mom's still really <laughs> proud of him. Just swing it real hard, son. His mom is really proud of him. We'll get to it. Um, we see him mixing something that looks a lot like poison or drugs on the stove. Um, is it just like a green liquid that bubbles in the shape of like uh, skull and crossbones? No, but there is a green liquid in this movie. Well, is it absinthe? It is liquid x okay and something to drink it's ghb but um anyways but he does give them a green drink it's very odd um then we cut to gia from full house and she must have really turned her life around because she made the dean's list wow last i knew she was a bad girl Mm -hmm. her friend daniel calls her a quote intellectual monster what does that mean I'm not sure. Additionally, is that a flirt or like, like, is he really bad at flirting or? He is really bad at flirting, but he's not flirting with her. Okay. Um, And he offers to buy her a beer. Back in the chemistry lab kitchen, um, Andrew funnels what he's mixing into a bottle, um, picks up his keys and the the tiny bottle and leaves his house. Daniel and Gia promise no, Daniel is making Gia outside a club promise not to introduce him to girls because he's so shy. Oh. Gia says just to trust her because she knows how this works. There's that it, mean girl Gia coming out that we saw in Full yeah. House. She can't break away. No, she can't quite let it go. Um, They go to a club where everyone is dancing to horrible early 2000s electronic music. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Every party I went to in college. Yeah. 
Um, Gia, and uh, and by college, I mean middle school. <laughs> That's right, because you're 27. Yeah, exactly. Um, Gia and Daniel are dancing, and Andrew sees Gia from across the room. And he smiles at her and then bobs his head. He's like, I just acted it out for you. Like all of lifetime sentence could see. Congratulations. That was perfect. So good. The worst part is, is you did it too. So you could show me how I was wrong. Oh my God. Guys, we are really good at podcasting. We really are. Gia is really trying to set Daniel up on a date. So she doesn't notice that like 20 creepy guys are looking at her. That doesn't sound very intellectual monstery of her if she doesn't no. notice. Andrew gets a drink, pours something from the little bottle of magic in it, and then walks over to Gia. He tells her that Daniel is quite the dancer, and we see Daniel flapping his arms like a bird. <laughs> I'm like a bird. I need to get <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> um... Then he offers her some water and she takes it because clearly she did not see this movie or something like it in that fancy school where she just made the Dean's List. Right. He asks her to dance. So they do. And then Daniel comes up and drinks some of her water too. And I was like, well, there's a twist I didn't see coming. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny, but damn. <laughs> um, so... Everyone, everything slows down at this point. It gets weird looking, right? Because he, uh, spoiler alert, he drugged her drink. <laughs> what if it also down and got weird? And then when it came back together, we were back in that, uh, the movie about the Manson family. <laughs> <laughs> Gia and Daniel get off the dance floor together. And I was like, oh, thank God they're going to be okay. And they talk in slow-mo about how messed up they are. But here comes Andrew. He asks Gia if she wants to go party someplace else. So he helps her and Daniel out of the club. Gia asks where they're going in slow-mo. He puts them in his car. Uh, there's another guy in there for some reason. I don't know why. You know, you always have a buddy when you date rape. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Gia is totally whacked out in the back seat. And Andrew takes them to his house. He gives her a green drink. Oh, wow. Does it and bubble he... with little skulls and crossbones? No, unfortunately not. She asks what's in it, and he tells her Liquid X. Um, she tries to leave the house, and she walks out onto a dock, strips all of her clothes off, and jumps in the water while Daniel screams, no, and Andrew laughs his ass off. Oh, I... Because what a dick. Right? also it does sound kind of fun to just strip completely down and go into the ocean not that anyone needs to see this so it needs to be nighttime like okay. i'll already be reflecting the light of the moon but yeah. <laughs> uh, cut to the next morning gia and daniel are sitting at the table trying to figure out what the hell happened to them last night um daniel says he lost his watch and andrew says to leave his number and if he finds it he'll call them then he like runs his hand into Gia's hair and is like, "You leave your number too." Don't. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna go with "Don't leave your number, Gia." He takes them home, and when they get out of the car, Daniel asks Gia if she gave him her real number, and she says she was afraid not to. Um. So she did, and then she says that 
Andrew drugged them and he raped her. Um, Daniel asks if she remembers anything and she says she remembers um, bits and pieces. Then he says, quote, you don't remember the back seat? Oh, no. And we cut to her and Daniel, I guess, having sex with all their clothes on in the backseat of Andrew's car. Well, you know, cut some corners. He asks what she's going to do. She cries and says she's ashamed. And Daniel says this is not her fault that Andrew drugged them. And then he, uh, Daniel apologizes to her for what happened, you know, between them. So Daniel's a Um, nice guy. Yes. He tells her to call him if she needs anything. And she says that she's really scared. So they hug. And he tells her it's going to be okay. Um, Gia goes into her house. She takes a bath and scrubs all her skin off like you do. Right. Naturally. Um, yeah. Then they then she lays on the couch and reads a book. Her phone rings and she ignores it. It's Andrew. No. He leaves her a message saying he had a great time and just wanted to say, quote, thanks. I'm not a huge fan, by the way. Ew. Uh, he's disgusting. Um. She wakes up to her phone ringing again, and she answers it. It's Andrew calling to ask her out on a date. Listen, I know I already raped you, but would you like to go get dinner now? I... uh, uh, The audacity. I just can't. Um, She says she's just heading out to do something. She's super busy, but let's talk later. Um, She does leave her house. She walks up to the sheriff's department. But she doesn't go inside. Um, she goes home and calls her dad. He comes over and she cries on him. And her dad is like, who did this to you? And tells her she has to go to the police. Um, she says she's scared. Um, I Yeah, I don't know what I wrote here or why. <laughs> anyway, she says she's scared. But her dad says that she has to go to the police and that he loves her. So she says she'll go, but he cannot go inside with her because she doesn't want him to hear like what happened. That's so sad. So we're off to the police station. Um, She talks to a detective and um, then goes to a doctor. The detective tells her afterwards that the problem with GHB is that it goes out of your system in 12 hours. So there wasn't any left like in her Um, and that there was no physical evidence found. I mean, because she took a shower. Right. Also, I totally get that. So it's just one of those horrible things. Um. Gia says, quote, so he's just going to get away with this? And the detective says, no, not if you help us. She asks Gia to call him and they'll take the calls. Gia begs her to just go arrest him, but she says she can't without his her help. So the next morning, her dad brings her muffins. Aww. Aww. So and she tells him the police want her to call Andrew. Her dad says he knows that she can do it, even though it will be hard. So she calls Andrew. The detective is sitting next to her recording. Um... Andrew is a fucking idiot and tells her every single thing that he did over the phone. Don't you do that when people call you after you've done something illicit and illegal and you're like, yes, remember you were there when we robbed the bank? I was the one in the blue ski mask. I know you couldn't recognize me because there were only eyes cut, but. <laughs> um. Yeah, he tells her all about the GHB that he gave her. He tells her they had sex, quote, a couple of times. It was great. It felt amazing. Hate it. Um, He then asks her to come over and she's like, sure, I'm totally on my way. 
And then she goes to his house with five police cars. Yay! It seems a bit much for this one dude, but whatever. This is I'm, a very short movie. It's already over. Uh, hmm, no. <laughs> Actually, I did not take a lot of notes this week, but it, yeah. Um, Detective Badass, she arrests him. He wears his sunglasses on one of those rubber things around his neck, which just pissed me off that, for some reason. Who Andrew does? Yeah. Yeah, that already says douchebag. What a douche. Um, they search his house and find lots of, you can tell this was the 2000s because they find VHS tapes. Ooh. All of him at the batting cages with his mom saying you're doing great? No. Okay, all of him at the batting cages except for the one that's at his birthday party and it's the clown juggling for the first time? No. I tried. Um, they also find a drawer full of watches. <clears throat> um, so that's an, that's a not what I expected there to be a drawer full of. Like, yeah, and they find his little chemistry set. Is it like a... He's got a little beaker and a little... <laughs> yeah. Test tube, just one test Very tube. Very cute, yeah. <laughs> In the interrogation room, he asks for some slack on his handcuffs, and she's like, nah. <laughs> Good. They tell him she's they tell him that he's accused of rape, and he says, That's crazy. It's all a big misunderstanding. He waves his Miranda rights like all pompous assholes do. <laughs> what an and idiot. He, <laughs> Then he recaps the night. He says it was all consensual. The detective says that Gia said it is not consensual. And Andrew says, quote, sounds like she's slightly schizophrenic. That's not how schizophrenia works. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm and not, also it's very rude. I'm not to say about Dr. anyone. Sarah, but I don't think that that's how schizophrenia works. No. Literally, you can be like, sounds like she's a pathological liar, and that would have made more sense. Or like, sounds like she's a unicorn, and then... Like... <laughs> um, He says what she did was, quote, what a lot of girls do. They have sex, regret it, and point the finger. That is the most condescending, oh my god, misogynistic bullshit I have ever heard. He says he's going to get a top-notch lawyer that will rip her to shreds because he's Mac F Max Factor's great-grandson and nobody gives him any trouble. <laughs> and that's when I remembered this case because I remember when they caught him and I was like, Max Factor is still a thing? <laughs> yeah. Um. Max Factor coined the term makeup as a noun. I yeah. don't care. That's the only <laughs> like that's the only contribution I think they still have besides nope. having tons of money. But <laughs> they sure did use that defense a lot, is what I'm saying. Like Yeah. Um and just like the fucking delight this guy is, he offers to buy the detective a pizza. He's like, I, I just he rolled her, my eyes so hard. He tells her, like, because it's a woman, right? And so he's like, why don't I buy you a pizza? Like, let's have a date in this interrogation room, A. <laughs> With a side of toxic green sludge, you'll be having a good time. Mm -hmm. 
He denies telling Gia that he gave her GHB. And then when the detective calls him on it, he tells her to relax. That is one step away from calm down. Yeah. Um, she plays the tape for him and he lawyers up, of course. Um, two weeks later, Gia meets Daniel at the ice cream shop. He says he talked to the police, but he didn't tell them anything. And Gia says they have to tell the truth no matter what happens. Detective Badass is meeting with the DA to go over the mountain of videotapes that Andrew had in his house and trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, like just infinity. Um, They pop one in and it's Andrew standing in front of his bed that has a completely comatose woman passed out in it. No. Saying it's his dream to have a, quote, strawberry blonde there in my bed for me to do whatever I please with. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cancel this movie. It's, it's canceled. Yeah. He rapes her while the DA sits back completely disgusted. It's really disturbing. Yeah. I don't like this. Um, and we cut to a couple putting together baby furniture and painting a nursery. They're listening to the radio when they mention Andrew Luster and the woman goes slack-jawed. Um, she and her husband talk. He's concerned about the babies because she's having twins, of course. Um, but she says she has to do this. So she goes to the DA and says she lived with Andrew for six months or so. And they did DHB together a few times. Um, they ask if she ever made a sex tape with him and she says no. And so the DA pulls a videotape out of her grab bag and says they have something to show her. No. Um, It's a sex tape. She's totally freaked out. So they show her another one. No. Why? And she screams, oh, my God, that's the dress I was wearing the night we met. Oh, shit. So we flash back to the night they met. She meets him in the club. He drugs her. She passes out and then wakes up in his bed. He offers to make her a, quote, world-class omelet, which is his thing. He did this to Gia, too. Um, she declines and asks what happened last night. He tells her that they totally did not hook up. He slept in the spare room because, quote, what kind of guy do you think I am? Well, if you can ask that question, then you must be good. Current pregnant Terry says she's going to be sick. Um, so detective badass, they like lead her out and they track down another girl on the tape, Sarah. They ruin her life too by showing her the tape. Yay! Which like I get, but it's just horrible. Um, I can't imagine having to watch something like that that right. I did not remember. Um so they go through how they met on the beach and I just wrote, God, this guy is a creep and a half. And uh Oh, it looks like Sarah was still in high school when this happened. Oh shit. And he knew that. No, I don't like this at all. Um, Terry, can we just watch Shrek or something? Sure. These are getting rough. They are. Um, hopefully next week will be a little bit lighter. It's about the mother con artist. I mean, I'm going to have problems with it, but you know. Um, 
Terry is talking to her husband, saying she can't testify. And her husband's like, uh, you've been subpoenaed, so you have to. <laughs> um, Gia is asleep on her couch, having flashbacks. And I'm like, doesn't this girl own a bed? She's always on the couch. I prefer to sleep on the couch, if I'm being honest. Okay, weirdo. Andrew's bail has been set at $10 million. And he's telling his lawyer, this is all about money. The girls want his money. The police want him as a trophy. And I just wrote, you're a fucking tool bag. Um, he tells his lawyer the girls knew they were being filmed. And um, that the girls wanted to be in his movies for his film company. Ew. And then I threw my computer out the window. So I don't have any more notes. Oh, the end. there we go. It's all over. Um, there's a hearing for a bail, which of course gets lowered because Andrew is a witch, rich white dude and our society is fucked. So, yay. Um, Terry goes into preterm labor because, of course, the story is horrible. So let's make it a little worse. She miscarries one of the babies. No. Mm-mm. And because nothing in life is fair, we cut immediately to Andrew's mommy picking him up outside jail. She is a typical, my precious baby could never do anything horrendous type. And I'm so over it. Um, And we fast forward two years to the trial. Yay. Um, We see the videos again. And I'm like, can we just set these on fire now, please? Um, Sarah's watching news footage about the trial and freaking out. Terry is pregnant again. And I'm like, hasn't this woman been through enough? <laughs> um, she still doesn't want to testify, but she has to. Um, a doctor explains to the jury and everyone what GHB is, because this is absolutely an after school special. I'm going to guarantee that. Right. Um, G is at a bar drinking a glass of wine. Um, there's a guy looking at her, but in our edit of the week. Oh, Okay. She looks at him and his face changes to Andrew's. And then it changes back. Does it like, is it like a flash or does it like morph? It like, it's like a flash. Okay. Yeah. Um, A girl next to her gets up and leaves her drink. And so Gia takes it. And when she comes back, Gia gives her a long lecture about leaving her drink unattended. Good for you. (laughs) Which good. Yeah. Um, but she's a little, she's got the crazy eyes just a little bit. So the lady was more freaked out than anything. Um, she meets Daniel, um, and she says that she misses him because I guess they're not really friends anymore, which I, I get. Um, he says he's just having a hard time dealing with everything. Sarah is telling her friend that she's afraid Andrew will kill her if she testifies and she doesn't, he doesn't go to jail because quote, rich people get off all the time and he's rich. And I'm like, you just summed up America in one sentence. Right. Um, her friend is like, maybe you should take a sedative. And she totally loses her shit and is like, no, I want to be ready for him when he comes for me. I will spray his eyes right out of his sockets, which is a very particular yeah. threat. Yeah, that's... But I'm bored. Yeah, I mean... It's a little specific. You but, do you. Know, you. Yeah. Um... Daniel is on the stand getting ripped apart by Andrew's attorney. Woof. Like, what an asshole. Um, Gia has dinner with her dad, and she, she doesn't want him, him in the courtroom when she testifies. 
he says he'll wait in the hall because there's not a chance in hell he's letting her go there by herself. Cheers to Lifetime for making another good dad. Like, yeah. they tend to really show shitty dads on Lifetime. <laughs> he is a good dad. We, we get another good dad moment in a little bit. Um, oh, they talk about ballet and dad says he'll take her to the ballet when... This is all over. She talks about how much she loved ballet class when she was little. Oh. Um, Andrew's lawyer tries to rip her apart on the stand, of course, because he's the fucking worst and I hate him. Um, They show the rape again. Um, Now Terry's on the stand. And the his uh, Andrew's lawyer says that Andrew had a, quote, production company, which made two blockbuster hits, Waves and Babes, and the highly anticipated sequel, Waves Waves and and Babes Babes 2. Those are real (laughs) things. Shut up. Real things. I wonder how many times his lawyer had to practice saying that without laughing. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, his defense team was shitty, so probably he didn't. Andrew's scum-sucking lawyer's defense is that Terry was, quote, acting in his, quote, porno movies. And I was, I put, acting like what? A dead person? Like, I don't understand. She's literally unconscious. Um, Terry asks to be excused. Um, She leaves the courtroom and her husband follows her out. And then the DA who is named she follows her out um to and her husband terry's husband tells the da that if anything happens to terry or that their baby he's gonna kill that son of a bitch and i was like yes terry's husband right or for you terry's husband although awesome. although maybe not in the courthouse should you say that like no honestly i don't care um Andrew is back at home with his very stylish ankle monitor watching yes. himself watching himself surf because of course he is. I back in court. It. Sarah is testifying and Andrew's lawyer is still a gigantic asshole in case you were wondering. I was um, I was just sitting here pondering. He's the most victim-blaming piece of shit I've ever heard of. Um Sarah recounts the rape and repeats verbatim what Andrew said on the tape. Um, that I quoted earlier and I will not say again because it's disgusting. Um, by the look on his Andrew's face, he knows the jig is up. So when court is adjourned, he packs a bag and leaves the country. Excellent. The police go to his house and find his ankle monitor. And I'm like, doesn't something go off on those if it's removed? Hypothetically, yes. Okay. Just not in this movie. Okay. Well, not in this case. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, the judge says that Andrew is a fugitive, and the lawyer is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're all jumping to conclusions here. Maybe he was harmed by the people who support these, quote, unproven allegations. Oh, or maybe good. he was in an accident where he took his ankle bracelet off and then fell down the stairs. Maybe he just wanted some ice cream, and you can't mix ice cream and anklets. Everyone knows that. Everyone. 
Yeah. And the DA snarks, quote, maybe he was taken by aliens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the best. <laughs> um, Terry's at home singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider with her daughter when she gets the call from uh, the DA saying that he's that Andrew has taken off. Um, she promises to find him. Um, she calls Sarah and Sarah totally freaks out. She locks her door, takes a Xanax and then holds onto her taser, which seems a little bit unsafe. Nah, Xanax and tasers are my kind of weekend. <laughs> I have friends over um, all the time for Xanax and tasers parties. I, you gotta invite me sometime. That sounds like a ball. <laughs> the DA gives a bomb ass closing statement. I guess the trial's like going on still, even though he's not there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gia starts looking for a job in a new state. Sarah installs six padlocks on her door, like you do. Right. Oh, poor thing. Ugh. And then um, Terry asks her husband to forgive her for everything they've gone through. And Terry's husband continues to be the most amazing husband ever. Um, he's like, we said for better or for worse, I married your past, present, and your future. Oh, I want to marry him. I know he was. They also don't do good husbands very often. But no, they, they did don't. A good Is he cute, um, too? Yeah. he's. Oh, I mean, he was. He's. He's cute. cute. Like, he's not super hot. He's, like, husband cute, yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. The jury finds Andrew super guilty on all 86 counts. 86? 86. Holy shit. Um, now they just have to, like, find him. Gia's dad gives her tickets to the ballet when they're going to the sentencing. Oh. Which I thought was so cute. Um... They hug, and then they show Terry and the best husband ever walk into court together. Um, Terry, Gia, and Sarah all meet for the first time um, at the um, sentencing. Um, they all give impact statements. And can I just say, these women are fucking incredible. Yes. I We have mentioned before that if I ever had to give a victim impact statement, it would mostly be like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And, and mostly, fuck you. And mostly, fuck you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> The judge um, listens to them like with like he's actually paying attention, you know, um, he sentences Andrew to 124 years in prison, you know, once he's caught. Um, Andrew's bitch ass attorney approaches the prosecutors and says he has two daughters and two granddaughters. He's been married for 38 years. He says personally, it was a really hard case, but Andrew, quote, deserved a fair trial. And I'd like to point out that there's a fair trial and there's straight up victim blaming. So this guy can still fuck right off. Right. Um, the DA says, well, he got one. <laughs> Andrew makes the FBI's most wanted list, you know, because he's an asshole. Right. He watches from a motel or a shitty apartment or whatever rat hole he's found for himself. He writes a list that says, quote, Payback, Connie, Sarah, Terry, Detective Cook, May Fox, and Tony Ward. Government robots. These women are psychos. I was good to them. Good. That's going to be helpful when they catch you. Yeah. Um, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, 2003. Andrew goes to the local taco truck, but he's being watched by two guys in a rusted out minivan. The tacos do look good, but too bad he won't ever be able to eat them. 
Um, it's prison food for you for the rest of your life, buddy boy. Two vans screech up behind him and a bunch of guys, including one rando with a TV camera, jump out. I can't wait to explain what that rando is. I'm so excited. Um, he tries to run. He punches a guy in the face, but he's way outnumbered. So they cuff him and throw him in the back of the van. They take Andrew to Mexican jail. Um, and then we get the end credits. It says, quote, on June 24, 2003, Mexican officials deported Andrew Luster to the United States, where he is now serving the first days of a 124-year sentence for his crimes against Connie, a.k.a. Gia, right. Terry, and Sarah. The end. Bye, bitch. Yikes, that was rough. I'm so sorry you had to watch that. Like, every once in a while, I feel the need to apologize that you have to watch these movies. I kind of kept my notes short because I just didn't want to go into all the victim-blaming crap. Because, you know what, I don't have room for it, so fuck that. Okay, so, at the top of my notes, I do have to discuss the victim-blaming aspect So I need to make it known from the start, from the jump, that I do not think that he didn't do it. I do not think he was innocent. And I do not think these girls asked for anything that happened to them. But I do have to discuss and look at the victim blamey portion because it's a little more complex than the movie made it sound. Okay. Um, But I do not need a single email that says I'm blaming these women or anything because that is not the case. Please do not come after me. Which we have never, we've actually never received an email. I know podcasts complain about it all the time. And we are grateful that we have good listeners who understand. Um, Yeah. But I just. These are crappy. Yeah. I just have to like make a blanket statement that it's, it's going to be rough and it's going to Mm -hmm. evaluate their testimony um, in a way that is unflattering. But that is not me blaming them. That is me having looked at these facts and looking at all the plausible holes and everything. Yeah. So, um, all right. So Andrew Luster was born on December 15th, 1963 and grew up in Malibu. He is the son of Henry Luster, a psychiatrist who died whenever Andrew was 10 years old mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Luster, whose mother was the adopted daughter of Max Factor Sr., the cosmetics mogul who popular, I mean, junior, who was the son of, um, the, the cosmetic mogul who did in fact popularize the term makeup as a noun. So like the reason we call it makeup today is because of this man, which is very interesting. Um, after well, his great grandson, a piece of shit. So after graduating from high school, Luster moved to muscle shoals, California living off of, and there were conflicting reports here. And so I'm going to talk about them both. Um, living off of his $1 million trust fund. Another one said he had a $3.6 million trust fund, which actually the 3.6 million makes more sense in the scheme of how much money he borrowed in the long run. Um, so, um, he lived in a cottage on the beach that in some reports was valued at $600,000 and in other reports was valued at 170,000. That's a big jump by the way. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, According to the Los Angeles Times, the uh, this move and Luster's subsequent free, subsequent freewheeling lifestyle weakened his quote already tenuous relationship with the Factor family, who was known to be very active philanthropists. So I he do you know who Dan Bilzerian is? 
No. He's this rich playboy who posts all over Instagram. And basically, he doesn't have a real job. His real job is to to post on Instagram about how rich he is and hang out with women who've all had breast jobs and wear no clothes. And like... So he's an influencer. Yes. And he's a piece of garbage is what he is. Um, and I get real... Like, they seem like very similar human beings. Oh, um, cool. Now, before he ran away, um, we should talk about how Andrew grew up. Because he grew up just with the all-American lifestyle that you and I are so accustomed to. He was next-door neighbors with Barbara Streisand, Cher, and Larry Hagman from Dallas. So, I mean, those are my next door neighbors. Right, I know. You and I had this upbringing. He was your. I, went, I borrowed a, a cup of sugar from Cher last week. Right. Um, <laughs> I borrowed one of her wigs, but that was a completely different event. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had, a, you know, you're just your average rich kid childhood, Cub Scouts, Little League, you know, he was the catcher, uh, karate, a home in Malibu, a vacation home in Vegas, a full time nanny. Um, you know, just like we all had. Yeah, I didn't have all those things, but I had some of those. <laughs> you had the vacation home in Vegas and the oh, nanny? Cause... So bad. No, I did not have a vacation home in Vegas. We did have a vacation home in Florida. Really? We had mm-hmm. a timeshare for about a year and then we couldn't afford Ooh, it. <laughs> uh, it wasn't even like, it was in Tyler, Texas. So it wasn't even like. Wow. That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> What the fuck is in Tyler's? <laughs> this timeshare that was the everyman's timeshare called the Villages Resort. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. You're welcome. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. Oh, uh, just as an aside, the vacation home belonged to my grandparents, not my parents. <laughs> uh-huh. Now you're backtracking. Um anyway, he um, oh, I did spend a lot of time there. <laughs> Love it. Um, he, as he grew up, uh, got interested in things like um, GHB. Yeah, GHB. No, like um, he actually wasn't a troublemaker as a kid at all. Like that's why this whole thing comes out of left field. Normally, like people who lead this lifestyle have like indicators as a kid, but he yeah. was like a straight A student. Um, he skied and snowboarded and rock climbed. He was the outdoorsy type. He was a diver and a surfer. So he just like woke up one day and was like, I'm going to be a rapist. Uh, yeah, maybe. So I don't know. I don't know the psychology behind all this. Um, when he turned 18, he moved to Santa Barbara and went to Santa Barbara City College. He took classes part time for four years and then never actually got his degree. And this is when his mom bought him his condo on the beach that was either one hundred seventy thousand or six hundred thousand dollars. Um, Just right in that, but, right in that five hundred right. million, five hundred thousand plus or minus, right? Right, right. over under there. Um, mm-hmm. It was only about nine hundred square feet, so that's why I think it's probably on the lower side of that six hundred thousand, even right. for Santa Barbara. Well, but yeah, Santa Barbara is pretty uh, expensive, to right? Live in. Anything, anything in California is expensive to live in, Just, right? He had a series of long-term girlfriends, one of whom eventually was his common-law wife and the mother of his two children. Um, he had kids? He had two kids. I, mean, I, didn't, see a, I, I didn't see a single kid. I know. For two well, kids. So they didn't live with him. They She moved away, and um, quite a bit of his monthly allowance from his trust fund went to um, 
like alimony and child support. Poor Andrew Luster having to give away his allowance. By, <laughs> by the time of his arrest, he was actually $204,000 in debt for having borrowed so much against his trust fund. So he was not a good money manager at all. Well, it's because <laughs> rich people's kids don't generally learn how to manage money. That's accurate. Um, so Luster captured national attention beginning in July 2000 after being arrested. A student at a local college told police that she had been raped at Luster's home. Upon investigation, Luster was charged with drugging three women with GHB, a date rape drug, date rape drug mm-hmm. um, sexually assaulting them, and videotaping the assaults. The videotapes of the assault were found when police searched his home. After paying the $1 million bail, Luster failed to appear in court to defend himself against the charges in January 2003. He was convicted in absentia and was sentenced to 124 years in prison. So, so he just never showed up at all? He actually showed up for the first two weeks of the trial and then never okay. again. And then took off. Okay. Yep. Um, so the thing about this case that I want to talk about is that it blew up into a media circus. And it's one of the few times that I think the media involvement really did impact the case in a very big way. Um, and so that's kind of why I have to get into all of this that may sound um, victim blamey and I don't want it to. And I think I've covered that enough now, but just some of the things that poked out in my research. Um, uh-huh. For one, like Geraldo Rivera, I know, let's not really talk about him. He's canceled. Garbage. But he attended every one of the proceedings for every day. He reported back to Fox News for every step of the way. Uh, 48 hours followed the entire case from start to finish. The courtroom was always packed. It was like bulging with reporters and news outlets. Um, the docket and the transcripts were requested so many times that they had to hire two additional clerks just to meet the demand for this case. Wow. Yeah. Um, Crazy. And Have you watched Making a Murderer? This new season? No. I mean, oh. wait, the first... That's the, the one the new season came out. I started it and I not finished. I was thinking you asked Mindhunter for just a minute. Um, no. Making a Murder, Making I watched it. the first two or three episodes, but not the whole Okay, game. well, there's like a, there's a scene in the second season when, when Kathleen Zellner takes the case and she like, I, I just, that's what just popped in my head. She's like rolling this, this thing into the courtroom. Every page has to be stamped. Like it's like a thousand page like thing, and so they're stamping like every single page. The poor court worker. Oh just my like, gosh! I hate my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. So That's just what popped in my head. Sorry. No, it's fine. So, and then you know, anyone who's listened to us for any amount of time knows that I really hate the way the media gets involved in cases, just in general. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, they ruin families. They terrorize parents. Like when children have gone missing, they just badger them forever. Cause that's what anybody needs when their little girl or boy is gone. You know, um, yeah. they weasel their way into any situation so that they can re- report first, regardless of the truth. And you and I talked about this in our Patreon episode this week. Oh my God. Um, they it's like well if we're not telling if we're not telling the whole story that's okay because we put it out there first i'm like you need some checks and balances there for sure exactly they don't consider anyone's feelings they don't consider the fallout for themselves or for the subject they're reporting Mm -hmm. you know because like when there's a false report of somebody doing something wrong the media will ruin their reputation and not give a fuck and then that person can't recover And so I just, I really am anti the way the media is run right now. This 24 hour news circuit is awful. Too much. Well, and um, 
I know. I think I told you I'm listening to this new um, podcast called um, Con Artist. Yeah. And um, they did a two-parter on Stephen Glass, um, who was a reporter that basically just made up news stories. Right. And didn't get caught for quite some time when he went to, like, the National Hackers Convention. And that's not a thing. Right. Right. <laughs> he, like, completely made it up. But he had put out stories about people that basically ruined their lives. And that whenever people would come back and be like, this is not true. The higher ups at the organization that he was at were like, no, we believe him. Right. And, and it's just horrible. Well, And now we're kind of on a broad scale of that. And so yeah. none of this to say that I think the guy is innocent, but that I do think the media circus surrounding this case absolutely affected the outcome. Um, well, Geraldo is like a garbage monster. Oh, so. absolutely. Um, but I did some research. In most states, the maximum sentence for rape is 15 years, 20 in certain aggravated instances, and up to 25 if the rape resulted in the death of the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he was found guilty of the three cases that were brought into the courtroom, then that's a total of about a 60-year sentence max because nobody died in the end. Like, it sucked. And so um, even if well, we I add charges each- for evading and then for the videos... Um, it's almost impossible to rack up to another 60 years. Well, I think because, I mean, they did, they tacked on, a, they tacked on everything they could. I like, know, and I admitted that. Sodomy was still a crime in California. Sodomy so they put and sodomy oral on there. was a crime. Like, yeah. he was charged with oral, like. With oral copy, yeah, oral copulation. Yeah, they mentioned that. And, but, I'll, you know, some sometimes I'm like, well, that's some bullshit. And then sometimes in cases like this, I'm like, well, eh. Um. Anyway, so um, in my research for this case, I found this very well-researched book, but it's very victim-blamey. And so uh, it's called Sex, Lies, and Videotapes, The Public Lynching of Andrew Luster. Um, It's not actually available to buy anymore, but a blog called MyWritersSite.com posted much of it, if not all. I don't actually know the full text, so just what I had in front of me. Um, Much of this case was very, like, cut and dry. If you research any articles, it's just, like, he raped three women or, you know, and there are all these videotapes and he went to jail. Like, it's just these facts. You don't find a lot of the timeline of stuff. But this right. book actually followed the timeline very well. And so I used uh-huh. it for a lot of research. And um, and like I said, it was very victim blamey, but it made me look at the information they had um, because he looked at court transcripts and stuff that were unavailable before. And so that was okay. really good to help me fill out a whole yeah, the yeah. whole realm a of whole what I was part. looking at. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea of the premise of this book, um, it, I, in fact, I said in my notes, it's interesting to read the apologist side of things. Like, because <sighs> you and I are very much like, always, this guy is guilty, he needs to go to jail. So, mm-hmm. I, and you and I also are people who can't fathom why you wouldn't believe, like, this guy is a monster, you know? And so to read that there is somebody who believes that, it's like when I meet somebody who truly thinks Trump is a good president, and I'm like, I want to, th- I just want to hear your thoughts, because I can't yeah. fathom that, you I know? Can't any, yeah, I, I understand that. It's why, like, Again, super into another podcast right now on incels. Uh-huh. Because um, I just don't get it. Right. And so, it's also, it's but it's, like, disgusting, so. Well, <laughs> and so, like, I really love the Conspiracy Theories podcast because I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I like how much research conspiracy theorists put into their <laughs> theories. You know, yeah. like, um, anyway, so this was a quote from the book um, that kind of sets up the author's premise. It's a long quote, so just hold on. 
Okay. Um, the known facts, different from the true facts in the case, were salacious and, according to media, simple. Andrew Luster, a 30-something beach bum playboy and heir to the Max Factor cosmetic fortune, had cruised the college bars of Santa Barbara, California, honed in on a co-ed, nameless because she was a victim of sexual assault, and spiked her drink with GHB, a date rape drug. When she passed out, he carried her to his oceanfront mansion and filmed himself raping her. The girl would come forward and accuse the scion of wealth and privilege. This is like, you can hear the way that they describe, like, they are writing a love letter to Andrew Luster. It's like when they write articles about mass shooters and they're like, he was a boy scout and yeah. he really liked people. And I'm like, exactly. Uh, no. <laughs> thing. According to the Ventura County Prosecutor's Office, her act had spurned two other women to come forward with accusations and added the prosecutor. At At least 10 other women were also willing to come forward and with even more charges. In fact, the county had such a strong case against Lester that it filed 87 felony charges against him. At the onset of the trial, it was reported that Lester's fortune was being used to hire a dream team of lawyers who were expected to hammer the local prosecutors. But the hammer never got that far because in the midst of the trial, Andrew Lester, held under house arrest, slipped off his ankle alarm and fled across the border to Mexico. He was declared a fugitive from justice by the trial judge who was who also decided that Lester would be tried in absentia. And so it was, the jury found Lester guilty on 86 of 87 charges against him, deadlocking on the final charge of felony poisoning. He was sentenced to a total of 124 years in prison and fined $1 million. Under a very public umbrella of high drama, the media watched as Luster was hunted down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. End of story, or so it seemed. So. Hunted down. I just can't. Oh, wait. That one is like the thing that you have to agree with. You just wait. This case, like, when you think you've got it all figured out, spirals one more time just to, like, fuck with you. So the reason that I decided to consider this book is mostly based on the author's research. As I said earlier, um, Mm. everything was so cut and dry, but this one like goes into the court transcripts and really um, hit a lot of interesting points that need to be discussed. Um, So uh, on July 13th, 2000, Jane Doe, number one, the first victim that was left nameless because she was a victim of sexual assault. In fact, none of the women in court proceedings or anything were their identities revealed in the transcripts because they were victims okay. of sexual assault. So they're jo- Jane Doe, number one, two, and three. Okay. Um, well, in the in the movie, they called them um, Connie Doe, Sarah Doe, and Terry Doe. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's the same concept, but one, two, and three is fine. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, so Jane Doe number one went out in Santa Barbara's Isla Vista section, which was where the nightlife was. Mm -hmm. Jane Doe number one was 23 years old at the time, and Lester was 33. The group of participants with Jane Doe number one included her boyfriend, who also remained nameless, Andrew Lester, a man referred to only as David and another man called quote, an associated friend during the trial. So I call my uh, assigned NSA agent, David. Well, there you go. Hey, David. Um, and when I'm mad at him, I'm like, what the fuck, Dave? Right. Why won't you fix my autocorrect? Dave. 
So the associated friend was never questioned in trial, but David was and, and Lester was for, like I said, the first two weeks of trial. Right. Um, and then all the Jane Doe's. Um, so the timeline of events, according to witness testimony. Can I interject for a second? I'm yes. sorry. No, you're fine. All the Jane Doe's is like an excellent book title. Right. I'm so, down with it. Um, TM, TM, So the timeline of events, events, according to witness testimony, um, though the media reported that night was, oh, I went through two different thought processes there. So the media reported that this was the Jane Doe's first night to have met Andrew Lester, um, but they had actually had an ongoing sexual relationship. Even Jane Doe number one reported this on the stand. And so this is kind of where media changed the public idea of what was going on because mm-hmm. the media helped make her look a lot not not that I want to say more innocent but like it was such a chance thing but it kind of to me is more fucked up that they had this relationship ongoing and that all this crap happened oh a hundred percent yeah like just so just um, so you know in case it's your first day listening to the po- uh, podcast Consent can be revoked at any time. Exactly. This is your first day on Earth. Exactly. If this is your first day on Earth. Consent can be revoked at any time. That's exactly what I was about to point out, because yes. they did have all of these people had ongoing sexual relationships with him, and yeah. but consent can be revoked at any time. You don't have to yeah. accept the tea. I cannot want to yeah. drink your tea. Yeah, I yeah. If I've had sex with you before and I didn't like it and I don't want to do it again, I don't have to. Right. Um. So. Um, the other two women who later spoke up about their rapes admitted to having ongoing sexual relations with Ruster, Luster as well. And all three Ruster. women, Ruster, all three women, according to sources, had in fact performed in softcore films for his production company, Deep Six Films. Uh-huh. <laughs> Aaron just eye-rolled into last century. I'm still trying to come back. Just keep going. Um, Jesus so, Christ! Ugh. So they were out, and by nine o'clock on July thirteenth, Jane Doe was like Jane Doe number one was drunk. I'm gonna from here on out call them number one, number two, and number three. So number one was drunk. Um, she and her boyfriend had a fight on the dance floor, and the boyfriend just left her there in the club. Like he just peaced out. So num- not cool. Yeah. So number one spent the rest of the evening with Luster, David, and the quote associated friend who was not questioned in the trial. Um. They tried to go to another club, but the bouncer decided that number one was too drunk to get in. So instead, the group loaded into Luster's SUV, where, according to David's testimony, number one gave him a blowjob in the back seat and then straddled him all the way home. And they had sex in the back seat, which is, I guess, the Daniel story from the movie. But Except that they were friends. And, yeah. and they, yeah. So, um... And actually, all of this uh, uh, with um, number one, she actually also agreed in her testimony. Um, okay. So this isn't like a he said, she said, like, they're all agreeing on these facts so far. Okay. Um, the testimony continued that when they arrived at Lester's house, number one took, uh, went skinny dipping in the ocean. I don't know if that's a universal term. Does everyone know that that means swim naked or is that a Southern thing? I think it's a universal term. Okay. I've only lived in the South. I don't Yeah, know. I don't know why I'm asking you. We're, we're from essentially the same place. <laughs> right. Um, oh, oh, Dr. Sarah's chiming in. 
On Veronica Mars, they talk about skinny dipping. And that's pretty ubiquitous, she says. So I think they do on Gossip Girl, too. And that was all in New York. Well, there we go. Okay. We have now solved it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> we should. You don't have the answer. Nobody we does. We should be detectives. <laughs> we really should. Um, worse. We could call our corporation the blind leading the blind. <laughs> <laughs> the Jane Doe's. Yeah, that's my book title. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> All the Jane Doe's. Um, in any case, after she got through with her swim, she came back and had sex with the associated friend in the yard, like just on the front yard. Like this girl is getting it this night, living her best life, I guess. But not really, because she's but unconscious. So, well, um, we're not to the unconscious part yet. Um, why would you have sex in the front yard? Uh, listen, it, Malibu's crazy. Or like how yeah, when you have they don't money, show that stuff on the Real Housewives. They just show the Countess falling into a bush. <laughs> <laughs> um, then she entered the um, entered Lester's house and found him in the shower and had sex with him in the shower. And then um, when they ran lab tests on her dress from that night, there were traces of semen from all three men. So this is what the defense was trying to set up: is that. They straight up victim blame, like, well, she's a hoe. She slept with everybody. Like, that is what their defense was trying to be built uh, on. No. Mm-hmm. Um, no. No. I can sleep with five guys tonight and not sleep with any tomorrow because I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Um, my body. I'll do what I want. So after the shower, she sat on the living room floor and posed naked with all three men for a group photo like you do. Did they do the sorority squat? Like, I just want to <laughs> I hope so. That's the only answer. Um, then she went with Luster back to his room where he mixed her a drink with liquid ecstasy or GHB. You know, it's the same thing. But um, Luster and number so one. she's just drunk right now. She's just drunk right now. and Like, real drunk. Which still. Right. Not okay. Um, she, but... she admits in testimony that she knew what she was receiving was Liquid X. Oh. Yes. And then she and Lester had sex a second time in his bed, and then again the next mm-hmm. morning, but she does not remember from when they started having sex that second time to oh. when she came to and they were having sex the next morning. There's a whole gap in her life that she does not remember. That's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, then, also, like, I'm just... I don't know. The train left the station without yeah. me. Sorry. Um, so then um, she and the associated friend hooked up one more time and then Lester drove her home and everyone who was involved, like everyone who gave testimony, her and David and Lester all agreed on these facts, but okay. it's that time in the middle where she doesn't remember anything after she took the liquid X. That is right. the question now. Oh, I remember. So in the movie, they showed him like she he gave her that green drink and uh-huh. he, she was like what's in this and he said liquid x but she was already so whacked out of her mind that she didn't right so that understand. is that is what i questioned because if she was too drunk mm-hmm. to get into the bar right well he had already he had already drugged her in the bar in the right. movie he drugged her in the bar and then he gave her more right i know that so i'm just saying like in real life you know yeah in real life if you're too drunk to get in a bar you if she's too drunk to get in a bar, she's too drunk for you to take home and have sex with her. Yes, I would 100% agree. Yes, hands. Um, 
So three days later, number one filed a criminal complaint against Luster, alleging that he had raped her while she was under the influence of drugs. And her first, and this is the other thing that brought up a lot of questions. So the first time that she gave the series of events, she alleged that he'd put GHB into her drink while they were at the first bar in Santa Barbara. Um, However, some experts say that the amount that um, he was known to give would have knocked her out within 15 minutes and she wouldn't have remembered the rest of the night. I don't know because I'm not the toxicologist to tell you what would have happened. Um, but the There's sec- like such a thing as like microdosing, which people use for like right. clarity in life. And maybe that, I, bet, I mean, I'm not assuming that Andrew Lester is some like crazy genius. It's like, oh, microdoser and see what happened. Like, right. Right. Um, But when she gave her testimony a second time, the timeline of her consuming the GHB had changed. So she didn't even talk about getting it at the bar in Santa Barbara. She didn't talk about getting it until she was at his home. Um, But you and I both know after having listened to years of testimony that details change, especially if you're having to, like, they don't change huge. I'm not going to say somebody came and punched me and it was a black man. And the next day I'm going to be like, I didn't say black man. It was a white woman. You know, like that's not going to change. They do that. They (laughs) do that. They should not. Um, But when you tell the same story so many times, what you're actually remembering is the last time you told the story. Um, And so that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah. And when you're already wasted and then you're given like a mind altering drug on top of it, your memory is going to be hazy at best. Yeah. Yeah. So um, by the time she went to the police, all traces of GHB had left her body because it only stays in your system at max for two days. Okay. Um, well, they said 12 hours in the movie, but I'm pretty sure it was like an after school special. So they're like, uh, right. kids, don't take GHB. Um, again, like I said, none of this is to say that he didn't rape her. It's just to say that there are holes in the prosecution and there were holes in the defense and he lost. So the holes were big in the defense, clearly. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear that he, what he did was rape. Right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, she was clearly not in, if, even if she did consent or even if she was conscious, she was not in the right state of mind to be able to consent. Absolutely. Um, When the police raided Luster's home following his arrest, they told the press initially that they had found four vials of clear liquid um, thought to be GHB, that they'd Uh they'd found cocaine and 13 illegal firearms, including an AK-47. Whoops. They also said that there were small screw top bottles with handwritten labels that read, quote, knockout drops, frigid fluid, and lollipop juice. Um. What in the fuck? I'll tell you what those are in just a second. (laughs) So, um, and the police had this huge core, uh, this huge, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, press release about that, like about all the stuff they'd found. And then in a much smaller and less dramatic way, the cops announced that the liquid had been, that they tested had been confirmed to be water. Um, so, and I think that, again, is the media trying to blow things the way they want to. Juice. So, what I lollipop juice actually is, um, so Luster said, and then had corroboration from other witnesses, that all of those were props for his uh, softcore porns that he produced. Um, they also... I'm sorry, in his softcore porns, he's drugging people? Yeah. With lollipop? Lollipop juice. That's not a good look. 
No. Nope. Um, they also collected nude photos, adult magazines, porn videos, sex, and sex toys, which were submitted as evidence to, quote, prove that he was an aggressive rapist. And I don't know how sex toys prove that. Uh. But... <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of people that need to watch out is all I'm saying. <laughs> Just I'll look in the top drawer of my nightstand and it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm um, like, what in this house will get me like? <laughs> right? Um, okay. So no GHB was found in Lester's house, which was raided while he was still in custody. So it's not like. Well, yeah, because he already like candidate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, or in the hotel room where he was staying. I don't know why he had a hotel room. I couldn't find the information on that. Oh, well, I read an article earlier that says that, like, it was um, one of those BuzzFeed things. It's like, um, what can a rich person do that, like, a trashy person can't do? And one of the answers was live in a hotel room. Oh, okay, good. Thank you for clearing that up. I like how your options were rich versus trashy, because I think he was rich and trashy. I'm just, like, reading the title of the article. No, I know. Um, <laughs> so, um, the GH, no GHB was found in any toxicology test of him or the okay. women who accused him of rape. Now, the two had been a long time ago, so I wouldn't expect to find it in them. And hers was right. after two days, so I wouldn't expect to find it in her in number ones either. Uh, but that was just something that needed to be said uh, and then the guns were actually found to be legal all of them had had the firing pins removed um so they were not functional as weapons um the ak-47 disappeared from police evidence as did the vial of uh, the vial of cocaine that they'd recovered um what the who keeps cocaine in a vial i do it's in you talked about have his you, you talked you about his cocaine? no not at all. But you talked about his uh, mad scientist set, so maybe he just didn't have anything else but test tubes and vials. He didn't have any plastic guess... bags. Cocaine is a powder. Why would I it know. be in a vial? Blush puts things in vials. No, they don't. Surely they do. No. I just said that like I even have been to a Lush. I don't even know where a Lush is. You know, I'm going to stick Fran on you. I'm going to text her right now and be like, Paul doesn't know what, what uh, Lush is. Go. That said, um, <laughs> when uh, when the what the police did find, which is the most damning evidence against Lester, were video tapes of him having sex with unconscious women. There it is. Um, the books, <clears throat> and then this is where the book "Sex Lies" and videotapes I mentioned earlier mentions that the. And I laugh really hard at this because I don't actually know the rules behind this. Um, the cops okay. should not have been able to watch these videos as part of the search warrant because none of the women knew they were being filmed. So the videos weren't listed on the warrant. But to be honest, I don't know how search warrants work. I didn't do any research, but that sounds wrong. Like, I feel like if cops show up to search a house and they open a fridge and there's a severed head in there, they're allowed to look in that fridge because the head didn't know it was going to be in the fridge. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like that logic doesn't check out. I think you can have, like, a search warrant to search for specific things. And I think you can have a search warrant that is, like, general. general. Okay. However, I think if you get a search warrant for specific things and you come across something that 
wasn't on the list, you could probably get a judge to sign off on right. that. Surely there's a justifiable suspicion. Like, like uh, we're looking for a vial of cocaine for some reason, but we found a dead body. The judge is going to be like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and additionally, like, if he's got 700 unmarked videotapes, like, I feel like that's going to be red flag enough for you to call a judge. You're like, hey, can I add this? Yeah. Can you write this in real quick? I'll just initial it for you. Like, um, so, um, in all, the police uncovered about 16 hours of footage with women who appeared to be passed out, but they only showed about 60 minutes in the trial. Um, which is where the book. They burned it all. Yeah, I hope so. Well, the book was like, in some of that footage would have been women asking if their hair was okay on the tape and all this crap. Like, like they all knew they were being filmed and they were playing dead. And I was like, you didn't get to watch the tapes. You don't get to say that. Who wrote this book? I couldn't find the author is the best you part. You want to write them like a strongly worded letter. Um, so um, the book alleges that there was footage of Jane Doe number two, who was Luster's live-in girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. They lived together for over a year, but they only dated for four months. Um, okay. That's weird. I, I think that she was your, was Terry the main Terry. one? I think she was your Terry character. Because their relationship fell apart when she wound up starting a relationship with his next door neighbor and marrying that guy. <laughs> well, they didn't go into that part, right? Which I mean, as a lifetime movie, they really should, should have, have because come on, that's gold. Um. Anyway, but uh, he he alleges that uh, there was footage of her looking into the camera and asking if her hair looked okay. And I really did scour the information for that information, oh, the internet for that kind of information, but it's not readily available, so I can only go off of this one man's assertion and say that's it's just an assertion. Have- you need the onion server for that. Yeah. Um, so, um, my assumption is usually to believe the prosecutors, but that could be to my own detriment. Like you and I discussed earlier, I kind of believe that when someone is a monster, they go to jail or they're rich and get out of it. But in his case, it was both. Um, anyway, so, um, and then the third woman, Jane Doe number three, was discovered because of these recovered videotapes. Um, the woman apparently had a very distinctive tattoo, and she was a minor criminal, so the cops knew her. Um, she was arrested a lot before very petty things. Okay. Um, and so she was easy to trace. But the, the thing was, she was 17 at the time that the tape was made, and she said she had no recollection of the tape being made at all. She did admit that um, they'd had an ongoing sexual relationship, that she had lived with him for a brief period of time, and that she borrowed money from him. Oh, my. Okay, look, if you are 17 and you listen to this podcast, first of all. Stop. But second of all, (laughs) do not move in with a man in his 30s. Ever. No, don't. Or over his 30s. Because here's the thing is one time I told one of my students not to bring a cat to school in her backpack anymore. So she brought it in a box because I wasn't clear enough. So when we tell you a man in his 30s, we don't mean go find a man in his 40s. We mean just don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, my God. Um, So um, by the time everything was said and done, 
He was arrested and held on 21 different charges with a bell set at $1 million. It was later raised to $10 million whenever prosecutors filed an additional 19 charges against him. Bye-bye. His bail was eventually lowered back to $1 million, but I couldn't find why. Um, and he was released on bail after he took a $300,000 advance on his trust fund. He borrowed money from family members, and then his mommy came and paid the rest. <laughs> I love that sentence. You're his welcome. Mommy he was placed under house arrest upon being released and was monitored electronically. When his trial began on December 16th, 2002, the case really did seem weak. He had paid a ton of money for a defense team who actually wound up being completely incompetent. Like, to be honest, if you had a good defense team, uh, most of this evidence was circumstantial. And so a good defense team could have gotten you off or at least could have gotten you some kind of plea deal that was worth taking. Yeah, but he just had like a a room full of bam- baboons. I almost said bamboo. <laughs> Either one. Either, Either one. one. It could be baboon. It could be bamboo. It, it, potato. Potato. The things working against him, however, was that the media frenzy was in full force and public opinion of him was toxic. And that's usually a losing battle, except for if you're Casey Anthony, I guess. <laughs> Well, if they'd slapped the death penalty on the uh, table for his trial, then maybe he would have gotten off. That's true. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was still a chance he could have won the case. All they had, like I said, was circumstantial evidence and the testimonies of Jane Doe's 1, 2, and 3, two of whom admitted that they willingly took GHB from him regularly, and one of them who admitted that she allowed Lester to film her having sex with him regularly. So Jane Doe number 2 knew that she was being filmed on occasion. But okay. again, there was film of her passed out. So that doesn't count. Just yeah. heads up, everybody. Consent can be revoked at any time. Um there was enough reasonable doubt reasonable doubt to get out of the jury. Like you could you could have gotten reasonable doubt if you were a good defense attorney, honestly. Um the thing that sealed his fate, however, was happened during his trials two-week holiday recess so it started in january they went i mean in december 16th they went for a week and then they took two weeks off for christmas and came back um i like to get two weeks off for christmas i don't know i get three because i'm a teacher fuck you (laughs) um anyway uh so during that recess he slipped his ankle bracelet off and ran um Luster was in hiding from January. I wonder if, like, okay, here's what I wonder. Sorry. No, go ahead. If, if you're a judge and you lower someone's bail so that they are able to get out of jail or whatever, and then they skip town, like, are you, like, like, if I make a mistake at my job, somebody yells at me. Does somebody yell at that judge? Nah. You have a boss, like, that's like, what the fuck? Nah. Okay. Um, so I really want to see Josh get yelled at. Right. Um, Luster was in hiding from January 2003 until June 2003, where he was caught in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, on film for the whole world to see. Yay! Because I'm gonna have to look up that video because I want to watch it. Because Luster wasn't just tracked down by anybody; he was tracked down by Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yes! <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> 
I love. Shut up! Oh, that's the best thing ever. I love when these connections happen. Like when Joe Kinder was the uh, detective oh. on the other case, and now Dog the Bounty Hunter captured this guy. Can I just say how sad I am that Joe Kinda is ending? I know. I, what am I going to do without young Joe Kinda in my life? Reruns. Mm, true. It's all uh, on Hulu. It's true. Um, anyway, so... Um, dog... Oh, I gotta watch that. That's incredible. <laughs> Dwayne Dog Chapman and his son and his brother tracked Luster down and captured him at a taco stand in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> It was filmed by two cameramen. Um, so when you were like some rando with a camera, I was like, just wait. Yeah, it was like literally like 10 guys jump out of vans and like one guy with a camera. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so um, they were actually both arrested. Like Dog and the um, and Luster were both arrested by the Mexican police. Because it was an unlawful capture in Mexico. Um, when they were finally... Dog was released and, um, and Lester was extradited back to America. Um, Sorry. But Dwayne Dog Chapman had tracked him down because he's a bounty hunter. So that means there was an offer, like a reward, right? So there was a million dollar reward for information leading to the capture of Andrew Lester. The, I'm going to become a bounty hunter. The judge denied him... The money. <gasps> I remember this being a big deal. I didn't realize it was this case, but I was watching Dog the Bounty Hunter like during this season. He was denied the million dollars because it was an unlawful capture. And so he said that, uh, quote, oh, I missed the quote somewhere, but he, oh, the judge ruled that there was no room in court for vigilante justice. So instead he took the million dollar reward and split it between the three victims in the case. Well, that's okay. Yeah. So Chapman also explained that during the pursuit of Luster, he consulted with a forensic specialist who, or a forensic expert who specialized in sex crimes, who believed mm-hmm. that Luster's preference for raping unconscious passive victims indicated a necrophile tendency that might lead to murder. I think I got that quote from Wikipedia just to cite my sources. Um, and I'm going to throw up under my table real the- quick. Hold then, um, so Dog claimed that that was his motivation for capturing Luster, but I'm going to go with the million dollars was the motivation. Same. It's okay, mm-hmm. Dog. Like, we still love you. Also, sorry oh. about your wife. I saw that recently. A million dollars is a million dollars. Yeah. Like. When Luster returned, he was informed of his 124-year sentence for rape, sodomy, oral copulation, and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Like, literally the worst welcome home gift ever. Right? Um, under California law, uh, I lost my place. Under California law, since his crimes harmed other persons, he is required to serve 85% of his sentence before becoming eligible for time off for good behavior, meaning he would have to serve 105 years before his potential release. Um, however, before you get too excited. Oh, man. Right? Why you gotta yuck my yum? Um, in 2013, Ventura County Super... No, I almost said superintendent because I work for schools. <laughs> Ventura County Superior Court Judge Catherine Stoltz reduced Luster's sentence to 50 years. 48 years for the rape and two years for the drug-related charges. Um, Luster's lawyers have indicated that there will be an appeal... 
In 2016, opponents of California's Proposition 57 released a brochure that stated that if that passed, that Luster could be released early due to the lack of clarity of what defines, quote, violent crimes. In response to this brochure, California Governor Jerry Brown told Fresno County Sheriff Margaret Mims that Luster was originally sentenced to 100 years in prison and was a registered sex offender, quote, and on both accounts would not be getting out. Brown's administration later clarified that since Luster would have to register as a sex offender, he would not be eligible for parole even if Prop 57 passed. Two of the victims later won civil lawsuits against Luster, who was ordered to pay a total of $40 million in damages. Luster subsequently sold most of his property and declared bankruptcy. I could really use $40 million. Let's not go about it that way. No, I mean, no. Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. <laughs> make a $40 million donation, you can host the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can pick every movie we ever watch ever <laughs> for the rest of our lives yeah you could just come live with me and tell me what to watch forever oh yes get you a patreon sugar daddy and just let me benefit from that yes right <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was the more confusing than it should be case Ugh, like honestly fuck that guy yes fuck that guy yeah. Mm, okay. Do you have a case that should be turned into a movie this week? Yes. Let me see if I put it in my notes. Oh, good. Because I don't. So I'm so glad. I have one. My friend sent me a case. My friend Tracy. Hi, Tracy. I love you. Um, she sent me a case, but I have not gotten a chance to do the full rundown on it yet. So it's coming next week. Um, I've been keeping a list in my phone so that whenever you ask me this, I won't panic. And then I panic anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pulling this out. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> this headline just makes the whole case. Over $1,000 falls out of alleged drug dealer's butt in county jail. So it really sounds like something that Andrew Luster's production company might want to get on board with. <laughs> in uh, police in Marion County, Florida, pulled over a 26-year-old. Uh, a fucking course this wasn't <laughs> right. Uh, and his name is Patreon Stokes. <laughs> Shut up! They pulled him over for speeding. Um, after they apparently smelled marijuana, they searched his car. They found a bunch of drugs, specifically meth, crack, and heroin, and money. They took him into custody, but when they arrived at the station, the money had vanished. Um, so it was like, they didn't think about it too much. They figured that they would find it. But money started following, falling out of his butt in $20 bills, like Hansel and Gretel. Oh my god. <laughs> and so... <laughs> the quote from Marion County Sheriff's Department says, after a necessary but undesirable process for everyone involved, MCSO detention deputies located $1,090 in U.S. currency hidden in Stokes's rectum. <laughs> Stokes received one charge for his rectal magic trick, as well as a litany of drug charges. 
<laughs> oh my god. That's the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> I love that. So I just want like I want the lifetime movie to be just the actual two hours of the event, like no flashing around, just like in real time they're pulling him over, searching his car, and then the Hansling Gretel trail of cash. Like <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. All right. So, hey, what are we watching next week? Uh, Next week, we're going to take a look at my secret pain with lies my mother told me. Yay. Oh, yeah. That's one that's going to be hard for me to research, right? I think it is. And so, um, I mean, you can just do any kind of shallow dive on con artist. That's what I was planning. Like, um, you can anonymously interview me, and I'll tell you my story. <laughs> yeah, like the Home Invader one that we did a few weeks ago that I had yeah. to shallow dive. But I'll do a I'll do a look see around the Google machine and see if there's something there. Well, yeah, I can also do that. I've gotten. Are you wearing a Golden Girls T-shirt? I am. It says "Stay Golden." I love that. My best friend has one, and we wear them together. So right now, I'm counting down to. August 26th because okay. who who That's next Monday not not this yeah. coming but next who I, well, I think it's the 26th so I thought it was on a Friday but Friday um, is the 24th no it's 26th Hulu's releasing all six seasons of Designing Women I know I'm so stoked I am so excited they also, so that's what I'll be doing that weekend. not too long ago, put the rest of Mary Tyler Moore. And a few summers ago, I watched all that was on there. Yeah, so I have to finish it now. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, hey, guys, thank you so much for everything you do. Um, today, oh today, I'm not going to ask you to, um, to subscribe and rate and all that. What I'm going to do is ask you to go into that um, app that you listen to us on and click the share button and send us to one person that you think would like us. Oh my gosh, yes. That's such a good idea. Yeah. But so also rate, review, and subscribe. Always that. But um, yeah, share us with your friends. And sometimes just like an out of place like link sent to, you know, your great aunt Nana who you haven't talked to in 40 years. Let great aunt Nana listen to us. She loves us. Oh my God. Great aunt Nana is, gonna, is in for the shock of her life. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent expect a call from your local pastor if you send <laughs> uh, Until then, uh, give us a follow on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, mm-hmm. and on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Um, you can shoot us an email at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail dot com, Facebook dot com backslash Lifetime Sentence. And join us on Patreon. We're getting some, we're getting, we've got a couple of uh, requests now. So I've got one for Thursday. Why are you smelling the cap oh, of your pen? I wasn't, I was just chewing on it. It says Master P. That's what my friends gave me when I graduated from my master's. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I lost my train of thought, but oh, we have a couple of like good requests. So I have one for next week. Um, and then I think you're going to have one after that. Uh-huh, I saw them Because we today. got one this morning. Yeah. So um yeah join us on patreon because then you get to tell us what to do yes and everyone mm-hmm. likes to boss me around it's happened my whole life so why don't you True. do it too me too okay 
um yes. yeah until then hey guys don't um forget to eat your vegetables and charge your phone bye, bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.